Hebrews chapter 4, we'll start in verse 11. Read down to verse 16. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's begin verse 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Join me as we pray. Father, I pray that this morning would be a morning of grace. May we focus on your grace. May we be saturated with your grace. May we live. May 2021 be a year of grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, by God's grace... We are ready now to start a new year. Whether you're watching online or sitting here, we stand here ready to start a new year. And on this very first Sunday of 2021, I want to center our hearts and focus our minds on the good grace of God found in Jesus Christ. No matter what you've been through this year, and many of you have been through a lot, No matter what you've lost or, for some of you, who you've lost. No matter the wrongs that you've suffered, many of you have suffered wrongs this year. No matter what you've been through, our good God has brought you through and here you are right now this morning, a real product of God's providence, of His provision, and of His grace. Some of you have been through the refiner's fire. The refiner's fire. The refiner's fire burns, but it also purifies so that you might be calmer, that you might be closer to God, that you might be more dependent on your heavenly Father. And today, before we jump off into our regular exposition, we'll start that next Sunday in Ecclesiastes. I want to take this passage, Hebrews chapter 4, and I just want to use it as an encouragement and a challenge for you to take up the mantle of Christian. What does it mean to live in 2021 as a Christian? 
What does it mean for you as an adopted son or daughter of God the Father by the blood of Jesus on the cross? What does it mean for you to live now as a Christian? I personally, I want to grow in grace. I want to sin less. I want to trust more. I want to quit worrying. I want to take joy in the love of God and in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I don't want self-help books. Self-help books. If you could help yourself, you wouldn't need a book. I don't want self-help books. I don't want trite sayings. I don't want shallow, lightweight devotionals. And most of them are shallow and lightweight. I, I want to know God. I want to experience God like I, like I haven't before. And I want you to experience the same. So, in an effort to help... Um, with that endeavor, what I've done is I've dropped us down into Hebrews chapter 4, right in the middle of a thought. Right in the middle of Hebrews chapter 4, we'll pick up in verse 11, and there the preacher, here's what he's doing. He's written a letter to a struggling church, the Hebrews, a church that is in the middle of a terrible year. And he's pressing them to get their eyes up on Jesus. In fact, that's the memory verse for for this month, Hebrews chapter 12. Now, I want to do this with you for the next few moments. <clears throat> for the next few moments, I want to put before you a challenge for the new year. And not just a challenge. I want to put forth a challenge and then provide for you, at least point you in the right direction for the tools and the resources so that you might meet the challenge and move forward. I want to find ways that you and your, your family or you and your friends can accept the challenge to grow in grace. I'll, I'll use the language of Hebrews. Let's commit to grow in grace in 2021. Let's me and you commit to grow in grace in 2021. In 21. Now, when you read this passage, it starts in verse 11, drops down to verse 16. There in those several verses, you'll find three challenges or three commands. And what I want to do is just take those and just use, so we do expositional preaching, just take the challenge found in the Bible and use that for our challenge. Here's the first one, number one. <clears throat> Lest you and I commit to working hard at rest. Let's commit to work hard at finding some rest. Look with me at the exhortation of verse 11. Do you see it? Notice what the text says. Let us strive to enter that rest. Now, my first question is, okay, that rest, what rest? What is he talking about? Well, to get that, you got to go back to verses 1 through 10. We won't go through all of that. Let me just sort of give you a synopsis. Verses 1 through 10 in Hebrews chapter 4 speak about the disobedience of of Israel in the Old Testament. It speaks of their lack of faith and their lack of trust, their lack of believing in the finished work of God that what he commands them to do, he's going to provide. They didn't believe in the finished work. They didn't believe in the pattern that God had given them from creation. So if you go and read it, verse 3 speaks of the finished work of God from the foundation of the world. Verse 4 speaks of the pattern of God, six days of creation. And then on the seventh day, God ceased 
and he rested. Verse 8 picks up one of the most famous people in the Bible, Joshua. I'm going to preach a series through the book of Joshua after Ecclesiastes. Verse 8 talks about Joshua, and he's not able to give the people rest. Verse 9 speaks of this Sabbath rest that remains out there, still there. And then verse 11, the writer says, Now let us, as God's people in Christ, enter that rest. Think with me about Joshua. He's mentioned up in verse 8. Joshua's name means Yahweh saves. Jesus, his name, Yeshua, means Yahweh saves. What the first Joshua could not provide, the true and better Joshua, Jesus, does provide genuine rest for your souls. What is that genuine rest? What is that? What does it mean to have rest? It is a Ceasing of the frenzied, struggling, clawing, worrying, fretting that goes on in our hearts and minds and our souls. And finding the absolute peace that God brings through faith in Christ. Isn't that what Jesus said? Now let's not forget what Jesus said. Isn't that what Jesus said? Come to me, all you who are Weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. And the amazing thing to me, because it feels confusing in verse 11, the amazing thing is that the command is to strive. Look at it, verse 11. Strive for the rest. That word strive is the Greek word spudadzo, if you care about those things. It means um, this, to have this fierce determination, this considerable effort, this focused intention, this disciplined, dogged attitude of doing something no matter what. So you take all that to here, strive for rest. You know what this is here? This is soul work. Soul work. So often, professing Christians neglect soul work. More than your body needs rest, and man, my bodies need rest. Every time I, I read the um, <clears throat> symptoms of COVID, one of them is you feel tired all the time. I think I, I, think I have COVID every morning when I get up. More, but more than our body needs rest, your soul needs peace. It needs healing. For, for some of you, it needs, I mean, it's been rough. Your soul needs repairing. It needs restoration. You need to come here and read this and claim this rest. This, this finished work of God that is found in Christ. What is, what is the idea of rest? What does that mean to be, when you're at rest, you are, you are satisfied. How long has it been since you've been satisfied? To be satisfied in Christ. To be satisfied that His life, His righteousness covers you. To be satisfied in His love for you that doesn't make you search out some weird love somewhere else. To be satisfied in His 
compassion that brings healing, to be satisfied in his empathy that he knows what you're going through, to come to the cross and be satisfied with his death on the cross and for your forgiveness, to feel the forgiveness of God found in Jesus. Okay, okay, so I see, I see the rest. Strive, let us strive to enter that rest. My next question is, how? How do, how do I do that? How, okay, I want that for my soul. I want healing. I want rest. I want satisfaction in Christ. How do I do it? I think verses 12 and 13, so closely linked to verse 11, I think verses 12 and 13 hold the key to striving for this rest. Let me read verse 12. Do you notice what the, it's, it's very familiar to a whole lot of you, but in the context, there's a purpose for it. Verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Verse 11 says we should strive to enter this rest so that no one may fall to the same sort of disobedience for the word of God. In other words, here's how you do it. Put your face down in this book. Put your hands on either side. Look into the mirror. The Word of God is... is notice the, notice the uh, adjectives. I won't use them all, but just notice some of them. The Word of God is living and active. Living is the Greek word zoe. Is where if you're a little girl named Zoe, it's, it comes from this Greek word to live. Um, active is the Greek word energe. It's where we get energy that there is, there is life and effect, there's power. You know what the, what the Lord said in Jeremiah 23? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a sledgehammer that breaks the rocks? That the rest for your soul, the rest for God's people is found God's Word. God's Word is going to bring conviction. You read it. You're convicted of your sin. You run to God. God's Word is going to bring comfort. Go read the Psalms and pray through the Psalms. God's Word is going to give you strength this year. You're going to need it. God's Word is going to give strength to your soul. God's Word is calming. It's good to listen to. It's why we have that dwell app. God's Word is going to give you confidence to make the right decision. And if you, if you feel like you made the wrong decision, it gives you confidence in the providence of God that He's there with you. God's word is going to give you courage to stand up what you're going to, to stand up for what you believe in, and you're going to need that more and more as the days get darker and darker. God's word gives us knowledge of who God is. God's word helps us grow up in the faith. God's word gives us nourishment for our parched souls. God's word changes and sands down the rough edges. God's word matures your heart and gives a depth and texture to you. Isn't that what Paul told Timothy? Paul told Timothy that the Scripture is able to make one wise to salvation. God's Word, living and active. There's another word, of, another descriptor in verse 12. It's the word piercing. Notice what the text says in verse 12. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing, piercing, penetrating, sharper than any two-edged sword. And then the writer gives this, we read verse 12, and he gives this poetic statement about the power of God's word to get through the hardest heart. 
it's, it's dividing. See what it says in verse 12? Um, it's piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joint and marrow. I don't think that he's doing this dichotomous or trichotomous. Um, I think what he's doing is being poetic here. I think he's saying that God's word has the power to get through the hardest heart and the most calloused soul. That God's word can cut through anything. That's why we trust it. That when God's will, when God wills it, God's word will accomplish it. God's word is piercing. It's also a discerning. Do you see the other adjective in verse 12? God's word is discerning. Look at the very end of verse 12. Discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Discerning. It's the Greek word kritos. It's where, it's where we get the word critic. Critic. Discerning. God's word is a critic of our intentions, of our hearts, not just our actions. People see our actions. God's word goes through into our intentions and our heart. And, and, and then keep reading verse 13. Look at the smooth transition into verse 13, shifting from talking about the Word of God to talking about God Himself. And when you read those two together, it looks like the Word of God and God Himself are almost... I mean, there's this intrinsic, this intrinsic link between God and the Bible. When you're reading the Bible, you are hearing from God. Verse 13 says, and there's no creature that's hidden from his, you see how now it's gone from the Bible to God? No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That um, combination of the word naked and exposed, uh, that word naked in Greek, it really is just the word naked. Um, it actually comes... It, it comes from the Greek word uh, gym, where we get gymnasium. People used to work out naked. Thank God we don't do that anymore. But that's what the word is. Naked just means without any clothing. And, and then, but the word exposed is an unusual word. It's where we get the word uh, trachea. It's the word for neck. It's the idea of lifting up your, the neck of a sacrificial animal. Or it's the idea of being in a wrestling match and having your head pulled back, your neck exposed. It's this picture of the, the complete vulnerability. I read the Bible and I'm completely exposed. Com complete yielding, complete dependence on God. You see what the Word of God does? It's, it shows us the supreme majesty of God. It, it, it shows us the utter sinfulness of our lives. It shows us the amazing grace that God gives us at the cross of Jesus. And we run there and rest. I'm going to ask you to commit to work hard for this rest in a few ways. One is to Make the Lord's Day. I'll give a couple of ways you can commit. One is let's make, a, let's make the Lord's Day worship a priority. Whether you're here or not. Let's just make sure that we make this a priority, that we sing together, we pray together, we sit around the Word of God together, we fellowship together, we hear preaching that comes from the Bible together, that the Lord's Day is different from any other day. I'd like for you to make another commitment that might help you enter into this rest, 
That is the daily washing of God's Word over your soul. You just pick a Bible reading plan, whether it's in the New Testament or reading to the Bible in a year, however you want to do it. Doesn't, the plan is not as important as you having your face in the Bible. Or, or use that Dwell app and you, as, as an augment, listening as you're driving to work or coming home from the office or at night before you go to bed. To, to memorize and, and, and meditate and then maybe here's the third way you could do it. Find a brother or sister in Christ or a group of brothers or sisters that you can just, maybe two or three or four of you, just be accountable daily. Let's commit to work hard at rest. Let me give you another thing you might find in verse 14 and 15. Let's commit to holding fast to the faith. Holding fast to the faith. You can kind of see where I get this in verses 14 and 15. You'll see how it's just sort of packed with doctrine. Let me give it to you. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold, here's the, here's the command, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. This is all about Jesus Christ. This is a Christology is what you have here, a study of Jesus. This is, this is devotion and doctrine. <clears throat> I think one of the fundamental flaws of the church in the last 30 years has been the overemphasis on having a devotion and the underemphasis of knowing good doctrine. And if you don't have right doctrine, then your devotion doesn't matter. You end up being devoted to something that's not even biblical. And so what do we do about that? How do we, how do we rectify that? But the, just, let me just show you. The writer of Hebrews right here just takes two verses. Just two. And, and, and just gives us quickly some doctrine about Christ. And in the middle of that doctrine, in the middle of giving all this doctrine about Jesus, he says, hold fast to that. Hold fast to your confession. Take both of your hands. Get a hold of it. Something meaty and weighty. Something that is real and true about Jesus. Let me just point out a couple of things. <clears throat> you probably already saw them in verse 14. Notice that he's not just a high priest. He is a great high priest. That word, Greek word is mega high priest. Search the whole Bible. You'll not find another person even close Every high priest, every sacrifice, every altar was nothing but a dim foreshadowing of the great high priest. Not just a great high priest, verse 14 says that he has passed through the heavens. That he was not only raised from the dead on the third day, on the Sunday we celebrate every Sunday. He was not only raised from the dead, he has ascended into the very presence of a holy God, and he's done so as a man for men and women, so that you might be reconciled to God. Not only that, you'll notice that in verse 14, he is Jesus. This is chapter 4, this is the very first time the writer of Hebrews uses the proper name Jesus. Stressing for us that he is fully man on behalf of mankind. There was a first Adam, 
that lost us everything because of sin. Now the second Adam comes as a man. Only a man could stand in for men and women. Not only is he man, he is also God. He is Jesus, the Son of God. You see that in verse 14. The Son of God, the very essence of God, the second person of the Trinity, he has the power to save you. Look at, the, look at the descriptors in verse 15. Look at that one word he is compassionate, he sympathizes. See the word? He's compassionate, he sympathizes. That Greek word is sympatheo. It means to suffer with, to suffer alongside. Sympathizes with your weaknesses, with your ailments, with your failing health, with, with, with your addiction, with your struggle. Jesus is not the kind who shoots his wounded. Jesus heals his wounded. He's patient with us. He's walking beside you, even carrying you. Compassionate. He's, he's hope-giving in verse 15. Hope-giving. The Bible says that in verse 15, I, I don't fully understand this, that he was tempted in every way and yet without sin. So, so what does that mean for me? That means that when... When you're tempted, he's there. He's providing strength for you. He's, putting, he's stiffening your spine. He's giving you strength. He's, he's giving you endurance. He's giving you the ability to resist. He's there when the temptation... Hey, our, our God is so gracious that he is there after the temptation. When you fail. When you fail in Christ, he's covering you with his righteousness. Not only that, verse 15 tells me that our Savior is perfect, that He was tempted and without sin. Spotless, the spotless, sinless, perfect Lamb of God gives us His righteousness. Look, this is the great exchange we just talking about. Gives us His righteousness, takes our sin at the cross. Now look, I just, I took about five minutes, gave you six things about Christ that gives substance. To our faith. I've just scratched the surface. I, I'm asking you this year to, to commit to holding fast to the faith through a, a slow reading, listening to the Bible, of being engaged in your Sunday school class, of maybe being a part of a small group, discipleship group, Bible study. We're, I'm going to recommend good books. Read one of them. Get, read half of it. Walk into the resource center. There you'll find books we've laid out. Go to the theology section and pick one of them and read. Dial in on the pastor's class on Wednesday nights. We want to deepen our knowledge of the one that we claim to love. Let's commit to work hard at rest Let's commit to hold fast to the faith. There may be a third commitment, number three. <clears throat> Let's commit to seeking God. Seeking God. You see that third command? All three are with the phrase, let us. That third command is verse 16. Let us then with confidence, the command is this, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find Grace to help in our time of need. 
A lot to see here. I won't show it all to you. Let me just point out a couple of things. The command is to draw near. That means to approach, to, to come and present yourself. It, it has this present tense with ongoing effects. Draw near. It's, you might say it like this. Draw near and keep drawing near. Doing this every single day. Do it again and again and again. I would call this praying. And look at the descriptors found in verse 16 that give us some idea of how to pray. How do you pray? Well, I think you should pray with confidence. See what the text says? Verse 16, let us then with confidence. How do you draw near? You draw near with confidence. Confidence is the freedom to come to God with your whole heart, with all of your problems, to have this freedom of speech to pour out the entirety of your soul to God, to, to trust that if you are in Christ, you are covered in the righteousness of Jesus, to pray openly and freely without any worry, to come to Him with confidence. Pray with confidence. I think also you should pray with joy. Look, when you're praying in 2021, I want you praying with joy. Notice what the text says, to draw near to the throne of grace. I think that's important, throne of grace. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said that when God gives the law, he sits on a throne of legislation. When God administers the law, he sits on the throne of government. When God tries his subject, when he puts them on trial, he sits on a throne of judgment. But when God's people pray, he sits on a throne of grace. Let us draw near to the throne of grace, praying with joy. I think you should pray with hope. Pray with hope. Notice what the, notice what the text says in verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy. Mercy. What a beautiful Christian word, mercy. You should take that word in both hands and squeeze it for all it's worth and see what drops out of that word, mercy. There you'll, there you'll find love, kindness. There you'll find forgiveness. You think of our God, do you think of a merciful God? There you'll find the fact that you don't get the punishment that you deserve. That punishment goes on Jesus. It's mercy. There you find mercy, this loving, gentle restoration of your heart. Mercy. We pray with hope because we receive mercy there. We pray with expectation. When you go to the throne of grace, you... Pray with expectation. The text says in verse 16, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace. Grace. This is what you hear is knowing that God has purchased you with the blood of Jesus. So if you were in a prison of your own sin, this is what God has done. He didn't just go and set you free out of the prison. He went to the prison, got you out of the prison, then carried you home and gave you his name. Now, if that's the case, then he will hear, he will answer, he will heal. We pray 
We pray with endurance. You see the very, very last little bit of verse 16. We find grace to help in our time of need. Isn't it true? Isn't it true that God has brought you through many dangers, snares, and toils? He'll do it again. You are His. There's no telling what this, no telling what this year holds. Let's commit to growing in grace in 2021. Let's work hard at rest, putting our trust in the finished work of God at the cross. Let's hold fast to the faith. Let's let's grow in our understanding of doctrine and, and, and truth. Let's seek God with our hearts, remembering, even learning how to pray. Growing in grace. 2021. You join me as we pray together. With your heads bowed this morning as we go to the Lord in a time of commitment and prayer. If you're watching online, if you have access to sending a prayer request, that is a really good way to let us know who you are and how we can pray for you. You could even do that here in the sanctuary. There are things that we can pray for you as we go into the new year. Resources that you maybe are not sure how to use. We want to make sure we are doing all we can to help the people of Hickory Grove to grow in grace. That is your prayer and you need help with that. I hope that you'll send that in. Father, thank you for the grace you give us in Jesus. I pray for your people. Find us faithful. Change us. Use us for your own glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.